0: Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today we're going to be looking at what the Bible has to say about the afterlife. What happens after you die? How will Jesus return? Who will rise first when Jesus does return? What does the judgment of God look like? Who will be judged and who won't be judged? And how can you make sure that you're prepared for eternity? I can't wait to share these thoughts with you from the Bible, these truths. So listen in and Be blessed. All right, so you know, if you want to turn to First uh, Thessalonians four, we're going to be jumping around quite a bit, but um, in Acts, you remember we're in uh, chapter 17. We've been camped out there quite a bit, looking at, at the Thessalonian church that's mentioned there in Acts 17. And I just wanted to touch on one topic before we move into Acts 18 and start talking about other things, and that's the afterlife, the afterlife. What happens after you die? And the the Thessalonians had some questions. They were wondering, what happens after you die? Uh, You know, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What should we be expecting? And I think really, truly, we need to have expectations of what it looks like after we pass away. We should know these things. And the Bible is probably the only book in the world that really gives us a true glimpse, an accurate glimpse of what, and more than a glimpse, a a good picture of what the afterlife will look like. Now, whenever I go to a funeral and I uh, go to the viewing and I go to the casket and I look at the person, the loved one, the friend, or some acquaintance that I had that's passed away, I look at them and I say, they're somewhere. There's no way that person just quit existing. I mean, their body is here, but Somewhere. There's somewhere. There's gotta be something after you pass away. We don't just quit existing. I think the human mind is geared and is, is created in such a fashion that we realize there's eternity after we after we live this life. In fact, the Bible says that God has put eternity into the heart of man. And so the heart of man cannot comprehend that there's An end beyond the end of their life. And so the Thessalonians were in the same book. They had some questions in the same boat. They had some questions about the afterlife. And the Apostle Paul wrote them two letters explaining certain aspects of what, what to expect after you pass on. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. As usual, we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures. I mean, if we're in church and we're talking about stuff that's outside of scripture, what is, that's a, that's a waste of time, man. We're here to find out what the Word of God tells us about any one of our questions. But here it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 13, Brothers and sisters, and this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to them, We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. I've seen people, man, I... I saw this lady this was years ago. I was working at the El Paso Independent School District of all places and her mom passed away and 3 years later this lady was still grieving and this her mom was elderly when she passed away. She was still grieving, she was still hopeless. And I thought to myself, I didn't want to judge this lady, but I was like, you know, we have hope when when our you know someone who believes in Jesus passes away we have hope we can still grieve but there's a consolation about the you know about the afterlife and so for we believe that Jesus died and rose again our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in other words those who have passed away in him that's that's a great hope that we have according to to the Lord's word. Now, listen to this. According to the Lord's word, in other words, the things that the apostle Paul is telling us here in this in this epistle to the Thessalonians, Jesus had explained apparently to his disciples and his followers, and now the apostle Paul is just writing what was passed down from Jesus uh, to to him and and to the other disciples, and so according to the Lord's word. We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. What is this verse telling us? This verse is telling us that, and we're going to read about it here in a little bit more depth, that Jesus is returning. In Acts 1, we find out that Jesus was taken up. His disciples were around him after he had died and was resurrected and 40 days later they were there on the Mount of Olives and literally Jesus was taken up into the air covered by clouds and the disciples were standing there just struck their their savior had just been taken up in front of them and then some angels appeared and told them men of Galilee why are you looking up the same Jesus that was taken up will return in the same manner Jesus is coming back, folks. He's coming back, and we should be excited, and we should be living every day as if Jesus was coming back today. One of these days, he's coming back. But what this verse is saying is the dead that are in Christ will rise. When Jesus comes back, they're going to rise first, and then we who are still alive will be caught up with him. So that's what it's saying here, that we're not going to go first. Those who have died first in Christ will be taken up first. So it says they will not precede those who have fallen. We will not precede those who have fallen asleep or have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel, and the trumpet call of God. It's going to be loud. When Jesus comes back, Every person that's alive will know that Jesus is coming back. All right? It's going to be loud. And the dead in Christ will rise first. That's going to be a sight to behold because apparently it's going to be visible. People coming out of the ground, coming out of the ocean, (laughs) rising up. With him. They will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. What a sight. What an experience. What a hope we have if, in fact, we've invited the Lord Jesus Christ into our hearts. Amazing event this is going to be. And we will meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. i tell you what, do you believe this to be true? Or do you think this is some fable? Do you think this is something fantastic and made up and conjured up in some human being's mind? And you're thinking, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, i tell you what, if you are a Christian, whether of maybe a Catholic background or an evangelical background, but you have invited the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart... You have to believe this. You have to believe this and you have to hope in this and you've got to live this and you got this has got to be going on in the background of, of your mind because this is what we're living for. This hope is what we're living for. It's exciting. Now, this isn't the only place in the Bible where this is mentioned of this resurrection of the dead. It's crazy. Daniel 12, too, in the Old Testament mentions it well as well. It says, as many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life. Some. Because it goes on and it says, some, others to shame and everlasting contempt. We're all going to be resurrected in some form or fashion. I just want to end up on the right side of the fence. Don't you? The decision you make today impacts you for eternity. And I wouldn't gamble with that decision. I would make the right decision. In John chapter 5, verses 28 through 29, we hear something similar. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice, whose voice? Jesus' voice, and will come out Those who have done what is good will rise to life. Those who have done what is evil will rise to condemnation. Either way, they're rising. This is not something that we can control. So, again, this teaching... Of, of the afterlife is very important for us to understand. It's very important for us to understand the details and what the Bible instructs us. And in. so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, throughout almost the entire chapter, and this is going to be one of our readings for this week. In, in, in verse, I'm not going to read every single verse, but a couple of sampling of verses we read, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. Now, this is the apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, which by the way, next week we'll be looking at this. What, what did, uh, what, what happened in Corinth? All right. So he wrote two books to the Corinthians, and this is one where he explains some of this. The body that is sown is perishable. What does that mean? The body that you have right now, these, these fingers that you have, these legs that you have, the beautiful hair that you may or may not have, all right? That's perishable. It's going away. It ain't, it ain't gonna last. Those aches and pains that you have are indications that the end is coming. <laughs> You're not gonna last forever in this body, and thank goodness. So it says the body that's sown perishable will be raised in imperishable. Imperishable and we're going to talk about what that means in just a second. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. There are those that there are those that believe, "Oh, you shouldn't be cremated." Because then what does God have to work with to raise? Well, they don't understand that what's going to be raised is a spiritual body. With the soul, the person that you are, that continues on is going to be given a spiritual body. And, and what we see raising out of the grave or out of the ocean or, or out of wherever they, they, these souls are is going to be given a spiritual body. Isn't that exciting? The Bible talks of God as being the spirit. And he is, he's created not only you as a body, but a, a soul a spirit and, and to be born again means that 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 spirit man, or the spirit woman that that isn't existent until you come in touch with Jesus Christ and he gives you a second birth. And what's born in you is eternal and lasts forever. Praise God. And isn't in, in the hand of God. But let's read on here in First Corinthians 15. It says, if there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed. We will be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Remember that trumpet sound that I was telling you about? It's going to be so loud for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. See, you begin to Flesh out this idea of of how does this work? How how is God gonna do this? Well, here we get an understanding of that. For the perishable, that's our bodies, must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. God has created us for eternity, not just for the 60, 70 years that we're here on this earth or shorter or longer. Praise God. God has eternity in store for you. He created you to live forever. He did. He created you to live forever, and that's good news. Now, here's a question, all right? So I get that. You know, Jesus comes back. If I'm alive, I'll be raised with him. If I'm dead, then I will be raised with him as well. But what about between now and... And when the second coming of Christ comes, what happens to someone who passes away? Maybe you have a loved one. I'm sure you do. A loved one, a friend that's passed away. What's, where are they right now? What's the story with what's going on with him right now? I think that's important to understand. Well, in 2 Corinthians 5, the second letter to the Corinthians, we get a glimpse of what that is. And we don't get all the backdrop or context to fully understand it. But we do know this. It says, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And the old King James Version says, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. So let's say I drop dead right now, (laughs) pass away right now. I'm in Christ. I'm going to be immediately caught up to be in the presence of the Lord. Now I won't have, from what I can tell, I won't have a spiritual body yet. I won't have experienced the second coming. But God says, here, it's time, son. I want you to come and just be with me. Maybe it's my soul. Maybe it's my, I don't know, my essence or whatever you want to call it. I'm caught up to be in the presence of the Lord immediately. But then the second coming of Christ, I'm going to be given a spiritual body. I'm going to be raised up from wherever it is that I passed away at. And I'm going to be caught up in the air with Christ. What an amazing promise. What an amazing reality this is that I think you know it resonates within us. We're saying, "Yeah, that's that's got to be the way that it is." My Creator is telling me what it looks like to pass on to the afterlife. Well, let's read on a little, a few more details here. This is these are important things. These are things that we as Christians should know backwards and forwards as we live our lives. So in Revelations twenty, now this is the last book of the Bible. This is where a lot of interesting uh, things are predicted, they're prophesied, they're foretold here in revelations verse, chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. It says, then I saw, and this is, this is the apostle John. He's the one that wrote the, uh, the apocalypse or the book of revelations. And he says, I saw a great white throne. So now we've passed away. We've been raised with Christ. We've been given a spiritual body. What happens next? It says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it, he saw God, the almighty God seated on this massive white throne and the throne and God are so powerful that the earth and the heavens fled from his presence. The Bible tells us if any man sees, physically sees God, they can't live. It'll kill you to see God. And here we see the great authority and power of God, its impact on heavens and earth. They fled from his presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead, (laughs) a multitude of the dead, all the dead people of all the generations of the world amassed there before the throne of God, both great and small. Steve Jobs is going to be there. You know, the guy that started Apple. Uh, The dictators of the world, Hitler, will be standing there before God. Stalin will be standing there before God. Uh, Now, I'm not calling our president's dictators, so I'm switching gears. You know, there's Biden is going to be there. President Biden, President Trump is going to be there. President Reagan, President Washington, our first president will be there. That homeless person that you pass by every day as you go to work or go on your way, he or she is going to be there. You are going to be there. All the dead are going to be there before the throne of God. Standing before the throne and what? The books were open. What books? What is the books talking about here? Well, it says there will be another book. So apparently there's at least two books. And one of those books is the book of life, all right? So there's at least two books that we find here. One apparently is recorded everything that you've done in your life, good and bad. And I'm going to tell you something different there, but that's the first thought that comes to mind. How many of you have regrets? You look back on your life and you wish you wouldn't have done that thing And if you could go back and erase it, you would do it. If you could have a mulligan, a (laughs) do-over, you would go back and say, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I have a ton of those embarrassing things, shameful things, unfortunate things that you've done and you wish you could do them, but you can't do them over again. Guess what? It's recorded in that book. Now think of the good things that you've done, things that you'd like to just Pat yourself on the back. You wish you could put up a big old screen so that everybody could see all those good things that you did. That time you gave somebody some money. That time you helped somebody. Those are recorded in that book as well. But then there's a second book. Uh, uh, the book of what's called the book of life. Uh, and, and in this book, there's just names. Names. Your name might be there. Your name might not be there. It's really up to you whether your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's two books. And it says here that these two books will be opened and the dead will be judged according to what they had done as recorded. And I've I've bolded this. I don't know if you can see it. I have bolded this that has been done as recorded in these books as recorded. Now, that's interesting. Is it possible that certain things have been erased from that book? Is it possible that for certain people, the bad deeds, the regrets, the mistakes, the the faux pas, the bad things they've done have been erased from those books? Because it says here, as recorded. Let's get to that in just a second. The sea gave up their dead um, that were in it the death, death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And that's an interesting point. (laughs) We won't go into it right now, but each person was judged according to what they had done. Anyone's, but here's, here's the point I want to make. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now there's a, a part of theology, there's a part of reading the Bible that's very important to understand. We love to talk about heaven, but we need to talk about hell as well. Hell is not a place that I want to go. God didn't create hell for people. He created hell for Satan and all his hordes of demons. But let me tell you what, there'll be people and there are people in this earth that have absolutely refused God. God has been knocking on the heart of their door And they just refuse God. The Bible tells us that people who refuse God are going to be put in hell. And hell is not going to be a temporary holding place. Hell isn't going to be a place that, oh, you know, after a couple of hundred years of torture that you'll be let go. No, it is eternal punishment and damnation. That's what the Bible tells us. And it's very miserable, and you're separated from God forever. It's not a place you're going to party. You're not going to party in hell. <laughs> you're not going to have a good time with your buddies in hell. It is going to be pure misery. You don't want to go there. But here it says that basically if la- your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, no matter what the record of events in your life, good or bad, you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. The- Jesus, when he was on the cross, he was hanging there, and he said... It is finished. What was finished? He's paid the price for you. If you will accept him into your life, he will write your name in the Lamb's book of life and you are guaranteed heaven. Even if there's bad things written in that book. (laughs) But we're going to get to that in just a second. Judgment day is something that we all think of. Oh, I'm not looking forward to judgment day. But let me tell you what, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you should be looking forward to judgment day. Jesus has said, you're innocent. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, you are innocent of all the misdeeds that you've done. Jesus said, it's finished. I paid the price for you. You are exonerated, you are acquitted, you are clean, you are set free, you have hope of eternity in your life. All you have to do is accept the free gift of salvation, of grace, that God says, here, I'm just giving it to you. Now, I talk to people all the time, and most of them will tell me, in fact, I was talking to one guy recently, I said, how do you know if you'll go to heaven? He said, well, if I've done more good in my life than bad, then I'm probably going to heaven wrong. Your good deeds don't outweigh your bad deeds. The only thing that outweighs your bad deeds is the good mercy and love of God that gave his son Jesus to cover your bad deeds. Don't rely on your good deeds to get you into heaven. That's not going to work. Jesus said, it is finished. I paid the price. So we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's another place in Revelations where God at the end of the world will say, it is finished. And at that point, it really is finished. We're done, done, as you say, or as I said. So we want our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And sometimes I picture this, and I picture God, my father, sitting there, and I come over and kind of get over his shoulder and tap him on the shoulder, and I say, God, would you show me my name? Can we just look up, flip the book, and can we just look at my name again? I just want to see it there. Stephen Lewis Norman Jr. His name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't you want to see your name there? Don't you want to look forward to judgment day when God says, you're innocent, my son. You're innocent, my daughter. I love you. I paid the price for you. Come on in. And we're going to see what heaven is like here in just a second. Man, it just gets me so excited. And that's why Jesus said to his disciples, hey, in in Luke 10, 20, he said, hey, don't get excited that I've given you authority and power over the power of the devil or that you've been successful or that things uh, you've you've had victories in your life. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Get excited about that, because that's the best thing going for in the whole wide world. The Best thing in the world. You can be a multi-gazillionaire, be influential, have a great life, have good things happen. Don't get excited about that stuff. Get excited that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the best thing ever. That's what you want. So, back to this thought of, you know in that book of all the things that records all the things that we've done, good or bad, let's go back to that thought just for a second, because I want to share with something, something with you. I read an Ezekiel this week that just blew my mind. It got me so excited. And here it is in Ezekiel 33, verses 12 through 19. The prophet Ezekiel writes, by inspiration by the Holy Spirit, he says, But if someone who is wicked repents, what is repent? They say, I was wrong. That thing I did was wrong. And I'm turning away from it. I'm admitting it. I'm coming clean. I'm not sweeping it under the carpet. I'm bringing it out into the light of God's mercy and saying, I was wrong. (laughs) All right. If someone who is wicked repents, that person's former wickedness will not bring condemnation. If I tell a righteous person that they will surely live, but then they trust in their righteousness and do evil. In other words, they say, ah, I'm saved. I can do whatever I feel like doing. God's going to forgive me. And they take God's grace and they stomp on it. And they say, I'm going to go party. I'm going to go sleep around. I'm going to do, because I'm saved. God's got me covered. If that's that's your attitude. You turn away and you trust in your old righteousness None of the righteous things that person has done will be remembered. There's things in this book of God's remembrances that he blots out, that he erases. (laughs) And what happens? How can my evil misdeeds and my regrets be erased? Repentance. Saying, God, I was wrong. I am wrong. And I repent You know what he does? He goes in to his book of events, and he erases the bad things that you've done. So the day of judgment, they're not even going to be brought up. (laughs) They're not even going to be brought up. You remember them, but God speaks of not remembering them anymore. He's erased them. In fact, we'll read on here just because it's very explicit. It says, um, I read on here, it says, they will die for the evil things they've done. And if I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, but they turn away from their sin and do what is just and right. If they give back what they've taken and pledge for a loan or return what was stolen or follow the decrees that give life and do no evil, that person will surely live. They will not die. None of the sins that person has committed will be remembered against them. Wow, (laughs) that's super cool. You know what that's called? That's called Mercy. That's called mercy. Now, God is a just God. People are going to pay. We have to pay or someone's got to pay for our sins. Jesus paid the price for your regrets. So he's just. God is just, but he's merciful on the other side. Jesus paid the price. He said it is finished. All right. So just one last thought here. What will heaven be like? What will heaven be like? I personally am looking forward to judgment day. I know my name is written in the Lamb's book of life because I've done what the Bible says to accept the free gift of salvation from Jesus. I'm not trusting in my righteousness. Believe me. I'm not saying, oh, God, you must be so proud of me. I did X, Y and Z yesterday and I did the other thing and I gave something to the poor. I'm not relying on my righteousness. Now, I want to do good things because I represent my father. I don't but I don't do it to earn Salvation. I just do it because I love God and I want to be more like him. And I want to display who he is to everybody around me. But I don't do it to earn anything. I do it because I love God. So my name, thank the Lord, is written in the Lamb's book of life. But in Revelations 21, we get a view of heaven. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Everything that you see here is going away. We saw this, this show about the Egyptian pyramids where the pharaohs would accumulate all these goods around them, hoping that they'd be able to take that stuff with them to the afterlife. Guess what? It's not going with them. It's in some museum in Cairo right now. All right? They lost out on all that stuff they were trying to accumulate. It's not even with them. All right? All, they're just like the rest of the dead. They're going to appear before the Lord. But there's, everything that we see is going to be gone. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautiful and dressed for her husband. The Bible says that you and I, if we've given our hearts to the Lord Jesus, we're going to be like the bride of Christ. That's how much God loves you. Man, when I married Tina and now more so than ever, I love my wife beyond all comprehension. I would do anything for my wife. She's my best friend. I I admire her, I love her, I respect her. You know what? Jesus looks at you the same way. He loves you. He has a fiery love for you. And someday we're going to be aggregated and collected together as the bride of Christ. And God is going to show us his intense, ardent love for us. He loves you so much he would do anything. And he has done everything for you. But look at this, the bride of Christ Coming down, uh, so, so yes, the new Jerusalem is like the bride of Christ. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among people. Isn't that what we wish? Don't you wish God was just here ruling and reigning? There's no more child abuse. There's no more, there's no more uh, his spouses being abused by, by their husbands. They, they, there wasn't poverty. There wasn't sickness. Don't you wish God lived here on earth with us? In some respects, he does. His spirit is here, but there's still evil on earth. In heaven, there will be no more evil. No more death, no more pain. And we'll read on. We'll see a little bit of that. His dwelling is among people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, thank goodness, or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I cannot wait for that new era, that new time. No more worries. Can you imagine not worrying about anything else ever again? Can you imagine never having an old memory crop up and beat you down? Can you imagine not having to defend someone who's defenseless because God is defending them? Oh, can't wait. Can you imagine not having more back pain? (laughs) Can you imagine not having any more worries about your finances or your health or your loved ones? Everything is going to be perfect in heaven, I can't wait for heaven, and I, won't be, I want to be there, and I want you to be there. Because it's your decision. God's already made the decision. Now you need to make a decision in sync with the Lord. It says, they will be his people. God himself will be with them. No more death, no more pain. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Oof everything new. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. Now look at this description. This is just amazing. Its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great A high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. This is just impressive, massive, beautiful, expensive. There were three gates on the east and on the north and the south and the west. And the foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. And it walks through and it describes all these beautiful jewels that that was made of. And each of the 12 gates were made of a single pearl. Wow, that's a big pearl. All right, you put that around somebody's neck and they're not going to be able to walk. The great street of the city was made of pure gold, as pure as transparent glass. And there's another scripture in the next chapter that speaks of, the, of a river flowing down that street, the river of life. Oh, man, I, I want to see that. I want to experience that. I want to be there. I'm, I, I'm hungry for heaven, aren't you? I can't wait for this world and all its trash to just be wiped away and God to rule the way that he intended to rule. Praise God. I didn't see a temple in this city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and the lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its lamp and the and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Oh, no. Well, uh, let on, on no day will the gates ever be shut for there'll be no night there. Man, that'd be really cool, too. <laughs> the glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what's shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life i want you to be sure that your name is written in the lamb's book of life i want you to be sure of it this is heaven this is what heaven is going to be like this is what the afterlife life can be like for you If you just make a commitment to Jesus today, (laughs) just a simple commitment, say, Jesus, I decide for you. I decide to live my life for you. I heard this guy once say, a pastor once say, a lot of people are willing to die for God, but not many people are willing to live for God. And I would say that's probably true. It's easier to die for God than to live for God. Because our temptations and our our desires and our fears drive us to do goofy things and drive us away from God. But can you make a decision for God this morning? Can you say, Jesus, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm tired of my doubts pestering me and my questions and my fears dragging me down. I want to make a decision for Jesus today. And you have made, I imagine, suspect, most everybody's already made this decision make a fresh new commitment to the Lord. Keep it fresh, keep it real with Jesus and say, God, I give my life to you today. I've done it hundreds of times and I will continue to because I want to get closer and closer and closer to the Lord, don't you? Just just another inch, (laughs) just another step closer to God. Praise the Lord, this isn't about religion, this is about relationship with God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.